Have you read my best-selling book, Keto Clarity, and still have trouble trying to figure out this ketogenic thing? Then let me introduce you to my latest project called Keto Clarity Academy. Visit the website ketoclarityacademy.com where we're making low-carb simple. This program is designed to help the average, everyday person struggling with health issues, weight gain, and just needs a clearer understanding of what keto is all about. Our goal is to simply teach practical ways to implement a whole foods, nutritional, ketogenic diet for optimizing both weight loss and health. We have various services available to you, including classes on ketogenic diets based on Keto Clarity. We also have one-on-one support and consultation mentoring, as well as 24-hour texting with an instructor. Again, go to ketoclarityacademy.com and sign up now to find your clarity about keto. Keto Clarity Academy. If you love great olive oil, do I have a deal for you? As one of my listeners, you're entitled to receive for $1, listen to this, for just $1, a $39 bottle of one of the world's finest artisanal olive oils. And what makes this oil really special? It was just fresh pressed at the new harvest, so it's bursting with more harvest fresh flavor than any olive oil you've ever tasted. It's yours for just one buck to help cover shipping as your introduction to the fresh pressed olive oil club. And there's no obligation to buy anything now or ever. But what exactly is fresh pressed olive oil? And why is it so much more flavorful than store-bought olive oil? The problem with store-bought olive oils is that they can sit on store shelves for months, even years, growing stale or even rancid. The olive, after all, is a fruit. And olive oil is similar to a fruit juice in that it's much more flavorful when fresh pressed. And that's what's unique about oils from my friends at the Fresh Pressed Olive Oil Club. They rush their oil direct to your door by plane and special delivery truck straight from the latest harvest. This means that you, your family, and lucky guests can enjoy top-of-the-line artisanal olive oils at their peak of harvest fresh flavor and nutritional value. This is great news for us low-carb lovers because pure fresh-pressed olive oil has zero carbs. Zero carbs! It adds whole layers of amazing flavor to your favorite low-carb dishes, your roasted vegetables, healthy salads, grilled meats, delicate fish, toasted nuts. Oh yeah! I can tell you from personal experience, once you try this fresh-pressed olive oil, you'll never go back to store-bought again. Try it yourself and see. For your 39 bottle for a buck, go to jimmyoliveoil.com. That's jimmyoliveoil.com. One more time jimmyoliveoil.com Hi, I'm Christine Moore, Jimmy Moore's wife, and I'm here today to tell you about the Nutritional Therapy Association and why I decided to go through their Nutritional Therapy Practitioner Program. I figured, well, this will be a great opportunity for me to maybe possibly be able to help people with their nutritional issues and anything that they might be going through. Just the thought of me having to learn stuff again, it was intimidating. I didn't think that I would be able to do it. didn't think that I would be able to retain the stuff that I was learning and I would have a hard time on the quizzes and the tests. The NTA is looking for more keto practitioners. They believe in real food. They do not frown upon good, healthy fats. They believe that they should be a healthy part of the diet. The most most gratifying part of the program has been getting to meet a bunch of like-minded people who are interested in nutrition. A lot of us came into this program with health issues of our own that we wanted to try to fix. The material that we're learning is just absolutely incredible. I thought I knew a lot about nutrition, but going through this program, there's so much more to it than what I actually knew. We learn about anatomy and physiology, so we learn about how things work in the body. how vitamins and minerals affect the body. So it's just been a great program. Anyone should do this program. It's a nine-month program that can pretty much fit into anybody's schedule. I mean, we have people that have children, full-time jobs going through this. So it's very flexible with your schedule. If you're thinking about it and not sure, I would highly recommend you go through it. Join the Nutritional Therapy Association today at nutritionaltherapy.com. 
It's time for Keto Talk with Jimmy Moore and Dr. Will Cole. Featuring veteran health podcaster Jimmy Moore and functional medicine practitioner Dr. Will Cole. They're here every Thursday answering your questions about low-carb, high-fat, ketogenic diets. Now, it's time to drop some keto knowledge on Keto Talk. Keto Talk. Here's Jimmy and Will. Hey, hey, guys. We're back here with Keto Talk with Jimmy Moore and Dr. Will Cole. Visit our website, it's ketotalk.com. And if you love Facebook and you want to engage with your fellow Ketonians, head on over to the official Facebook page for Keto Talk. It's ketotalkfb.com for the Ketonian Corner. But we are here each and every Thursday right here just for you to answer your questions all about low-carb, high-fat, ketogenic diets. And I'm here with the one and only, the man himself, Dr. Will Cole, drwillcole.com is his website. He's a functional medicine practitioner in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and he is my awesome co-host. And Will, next week, I will be on a boat. <laughs> this time next week, uh, I'm uh, our very first ever Keto 101 cruise where we're teaching kind of the basic principles of ketogenic diets. It's myself and Maria Emmerich and Jackie Eberstein uh, teaching a pretty small group. We purposely kept it to about 30, 35 people uh, who want to learn about kind of the basics of keto. Because you get the basics, then when you hear some of these kind of funky questions that we address, it makes it a lot easier to kind of follow once you understand it. So while we're away, we have a special surprise. Uh, we're going to air lectures from you and I that we did at a recent conference. And so I thought that would be fun to air those back to back so people could hear. And of course, you guys will hear some very familiar theme songs if you listen to this show regularly in both of our talks. So uh, really looking forward to sharing that. Because we're going to do something innovative. And I think this is a lot more prescient a topic anyway. If you want to listen to my talk about keto and fasting, it was on the Live and La Vida Low Carb Show. It's very easy to remember. Episode one, two, three, four. Okay? We're going to throw that in the trash. It's gone. Because we're going to talk about something else that's on my mind. And maybe on your mind as well. And I really want to speak from the heart today. Because I think sometimes in the health world, there's too much fakery. Can I get a witness? Right? So I want to talk about insulin resistance in the real world. Shifting from weight loss to health gain. Anybody want to hear that talk? So let me begin by saying one very important thing loud and clear, lest I'm misunderstood. What I will share with you in this talk does not mean you should ever give up on pursuing weight loss. Okay? But what I do want to offer is an alternative view and hope. Who needs hope today? Nobody needs hope. Okay, goodbye. (laughs) On this obsession with weight loss at the expense of health gain, especially for those who deal with the ravages of insulin resistance. And if that's you, please give me a loud, oh yeah. 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 Are you listening? You ready for this? Sound like a plan? Let's do this. Here we go. Okay. Is your answer yes to any of these things? Have you lost a significant amount of weight and became frustrated that people don't see you as healthy? That anybody? How about this? Have you eaten low carb keto and you still have extra weight on your body? Have you come, it says cruise, I didn't change the slide since the low carb cruise, but have you come to this conference and feel like a failure that you're not a better outward example of a keto success story? Anybody? I'm getting real, you guys. Have you felt like giving up on keto and on the brink of throwing in the towel because of the frustration with the slow progress in your weight and health? Anybody? Have you reached the end of your rope and you need to hear that somebody actually gives a crap? And have you thought your thinness, this is is a, a tough one here, have you thought your thinness meant you were healthy? And finally, have you got a friend or loved one that fit any of these descriptions? Most people would say yes. Well, you've come to the right place, the right neighborhood, my friend. You are not alone. So let's look at this whole idea of healthy. What is healthy? So I did a Dr. Google search of healthy. You want to see some of the images they have for healthy? This is kind of funny. That's healthy. Who does yoga? I love yoga. That's pretty healthy. 
and that little girl eating watermelon in a green field. I don't know what that is, but apparently it's healthy. And then you got running, you got somebody kicking a hamburger right in the middle with, with milk or whatever that is. You got this thing, guy that thinks he's a stud of some sort, and then somebody, victory. So is this what health is all about? Is this healthy? This was also an image I found when you were Googling healthy. But let's look at Merriam-Webster to see what healthy actually means. Being free from disease or pain, enjoying vigor of body, mind, and spirit, showing physical, mental, and emotional well-being. That's what Merriam-Webster says is healthy. Did you notice what was not included in the definition? Your weight. Nothing at all to do with your weight. Anybody stepped on the scale and gotten that? The dreaded scale. The dreaded scale is the lying liar that lies about your current state of health. Can I get a witness, anyone? I'll repeat it again. This does not mean your current weight doesn't matter. It's all about putting things in the proper perspective of what's happening in your health. And one of my social media followers actually sent me a sign they saw in their doctor's office. This was absolutely brilliant, putting the scale weight in a different way. Watch this, you guys. The scale can only give you a numerical reflection of your relationship with gravity. That's it. It cannot measure character, beauty, talent, purpose, possibility, strength, or love. On the moon, I weigh zero. So what the heck does a healthy weight mean? You hear that often in the media. Oh, we need to get people down to a healthy weight. What the heck does that mean? Anyone? Anyone? Bueller? Bueller? That's an old school reference. If you're of a certain age, you don't know what that means. How many knew what that meant? There you go. A few of you. Culture tells us your weight is your health. Biggest loser, anyone? So we got the biggest loser, weight loss challenges. We have all of these things in our culture telling us that our health is our weight. Does that tick anybody else off in this room as much as it does me? And then they celebrate this as if it's the be all end all in the health. So what's the problem with focusing on scale weight as the determining factor in whether you're healthy or not? It sounds logical, right? Well, wrong, dead wrong. Are you Tofi? No, I didn't say taffy. Tofi is thin outside, fat inside. Anybody heard this term before? So here is an example of a 28-year-old male. He's 5'10", 210 pounds, BMI 24, well within the normal range. He looks healthy on the outside, but guess what? All of his blood markers show he's what's called skinny fat. So let's take a look at that. Is he healthy? And yet, this guy right here is unhealthy? Why do we believe that? Uh, why do we believe that? Metabolically, we know, we know the guy on the left is definitely unhealthy, the thin guy, but the guy on the right may or may not be. This is insulin resistance in the world, real world, you guys. Both of them have insulin resistance. And yet one is likely oblivious to it, thinking he's okay because of his normal weight. And the other may have already lost 100 pounds and vastly improved his health. So that one slice of bread you saw that then turned into a loaf, guess what happens in people that are insulin resistant? That one slice becomes the loaf. And so people don't think about this, that there is this different circumstance metabolically for people who have insulin resistance. I know what you're thinking because I'm psychic and crazy. Who's Big Bang Theory fan we are? How do you know if you have insulin resistance? Anybody want to know that? She's like, I don't really want to know because I already know. Trust me, if you have it, you know it. Here's some signs of it. Elevated fasting blood sugar levels over 100. Two-hour postprandial, that's after eating blood sugar levels above 140. Abdominal obesity. Hypoglycemia, very low blood sugar levels. Fasting insulin over five or two-hour postprandial over 40. Triglycerides over 150. Triglyceride HDL ratio over three. Skin tags, uh, uh, my old Keto Talk co-host, Dr. Nally, called that a pathognomon, I can't even say that word, of IR. Somebody say it. Yeah, that. 
Uh, and then that thick, dark patches of skin around the neck, polyneuropathy, which is numbness and tealing, and then this whole HOMA score. Definitely Google H-O-M-A score if you want to find out what your HOMA score is, but you'll know it. You'll know it. And here's some more signs all in a little flow chart for you if you want to take a quick screenshot. Three, two, one. So uh, Dr. Adam Nally also has these five stages of insulin resistance. So stage one uh, is where you have slightly elevated insulin all the way to stage four, which is type two diabetes. And then finally the pancreas says, I've had enough, goes to stage five, that's type one diabetes where you have to take insulin. So how did Jimmy Moore get insulin resistance to begin with? Here's how. Anybody seen this before? I used to drink 16 can of those a day back in the day. All the fast food restaurants I should have bought stock in back in the day because I frequented them quite well. And then of course the Little Debbie snack cakes. Nobody's ever had any of those, have they? I would, I would eat two boxes at a time. Christine will tell you that. In fact, uh, it should, have, should be called that. So let's go back to this guy compared to this guy. Why do we think the guy on the left was thin, was healthy, and we always put the emphasis on the guy that's got extra weight? Why do we do that? This is wrong. Can I get in witness anybody? Is that wrong? You've heard of skinny fat, but what about healthy fat? Now, there's, there was a, since I did this slideshow, there's been a study that came out that was an epidemiological study that said, oh, there's no such thing as being both healthy and fat at the same time. In fact, if you listen to my Keto Talk episode yesterday, uh, we actually talked about that study um, and how it's, it, they were focusing just primarily on heart health, but it's an incomplete picture because they're not really looking at people who do keto. And I think once you do keto and you start getting the benefits of it, all bets are off because metabolically you can change even if the weight doesn't leave the body. So is it possible to be healthy fat? Basic blood health markers that demonstrate healthy living. Triglycerides, you should aim for under 100. C-reactive protein, which is the key inflammation marker, you should have under three. HbA1c, you aim for under 5.5, ideally under five. Fasting insulin, aim for under 10. Fasting blood sugar, under 100. Small LDLP, under 500. And then there are many others you can run. You can see that uh, two people from now is Dr. Will Cole. He'll tell you all about the functional medicine uh, tests that he runs in his clinic, um, which goes even deeper than a lot of those tests. So what are my results in all of those markers? Let's take a look at triglycerides. Aim for under 100. Mine are 77. C-reactive protein, under three, minus 0.8. HbA1c, under 5.5, 5.1. Fasting insulin, aim for under 10, minus 11, although I did just get a result back that it's gone up to 16. So it's one that I'm watching, and it's one that I realized that's probably why I'm having trouble with the extra weight, is that insulin still hasn't come down despite these other markers improving. Fasting blood sugar under 100, minus 97. Small LDLP under 500, minus 430. So am I healthy or unhealthy according to the blood markers? So you might see things online, and I'm not gonna repeat this for people that are just watching or listening, but it's some of the most vulgar stuff you'll ever see online. Here's the thing, if you wanna be famous online, be prepared for this kind of stuff. And I'm just gonna leave it right there. We're not gonna say anything more, but uh, that's the reality of, of this. And even my wife, Christine, got this lovely little comment. Again, I'm not gonna repeat what was said, but you can read it for yourself. And this is the reality, you guys. When you put yourself out there, you can give great information, and yet people are still gonna be vulgar. All right, enough of that, OMG. Talk about insulin resistance in the real world, right? So what do you do when you get an ugly comment? This is for all you bloggers and podcasters and maybe newbies that are looking into getting to this. When you get them, hello, celebrate. You've arrived, baby. <laughs> it's their problem, not yours. If it's online, don't feel about block and delete. I can't tell you how many times a day I block and delete. 
and move on with my life. Be confident in how far you've come in your journey because you are still on your journey. Kill them with kindness. Don't react to the negativity in an angry, vengeful manner because that's exactly what they want. Focus on the good things that have happened in your health. Realize you're always a work in progress and never ever allow the words of others who don't even know who you are change who you are. Just be 100% authentically you without apology. That sound like a plan? Whoever's trying to bring you down is already below you. Dear haters, I have so much more for you to be mad at, so please be patient. Haters means having anger towards everyone reaching success. Oh yeah, and Taylor Swift, shake it out, shake it out, out, out. So, why are you still fat is a question I get a lot. Told you I was gonna be real in this talk, you guys, so I hope you're appreciating it. What if I told you you're still fat? And congratulations, you're still fat. So we have all these things that people will say, what are the culprits? What are the common weight culprits with IR? Stress. Anybody got it? It hits you harder. I say if you're insulin resistant, you're also stress resistant, and it takes you to that next level of having difficulty losing weight. How about this one? Lack of restorative sleep. I wear this little ring here that tracks my sleep, kind of like a Fitbit, and it gives me the four different stages of sleep. And I can see exactly whether I'm getting restorative sleep, which is the REM and the deep sleep, or if I'm not getting great sleep at all. By the way, in a hotel, you don't get good sleep, so I didn't sleep well last night. Uh, hormonal imbalances. Medications. Thank you, he gave me a four minute sign. Environmental factors, deep-seated emotional issues, not attempting to eat mostly real food, failing to eat to satiety, underlying metabolic or gut health issues, failing to stick with keto because you become so frustrated by the lack of weight loss. Anybody been there? Giving up is never an option, and don't tell yourself you're not good enough. Stop all the negative self-talk and embrace self-love instead. How many of you actually genuinely love yourself? Raise your hand. The ones that didn't raise your hand, get with the program. Love yourself. The next time you feel frustrated, inadequate, a failure, any other negative thought about yourself on your ketogenic journey, dealing with this thing of insulin resistance, remember this analogy. Oxygen. It saved her life. Now she wants to share about it with others. Then the naysayers come. You can't talk about oxygen saving your life. What are you, oxygen resistant? How can you make money from others talking about oxygen therapy when you still struggle with breathing? You've been using oxygen for over 10 years, so why aren't you breathing better yet? And yet, it would be inconceivable to do that, right? Preposterous, absurd. And yet, isn't this exactly what we do with people with insulin resistance? People with IR come to keto because they can't breathe properly. It provides miracle relief, just like the oxygen tank does, that you want to share with everyone. But the underlying issue is still there. Now, you could be healed 100% from it. Some people have told me that over the years. Oh, you'll be healed 100% from your insulin resistance. And I'm like, well, when's it going to happen? it might be less than 50% healed, which is good. You get great results in your health, but you may not come all the way down in the weight that you want. Does the truth about the efficacy of keto change at all because the messenger doesn't look the way he should? Not necessarily. So what do we do now? Here's some N equals ones you can try. You can do a fat fast. You can do an intermittent or extended fasting. I, have, I know a good book about that. Uh, cut out the dairy to see if that's hindering you. You can take a yoga class, med meditation to de-stress. You can dial in sleep with adequate sunlight during the day, blue blockers at night with black curtains and all that. Have a full hormonal and vitamin deficiencies panel run. You can also switch over from chemical cleaners and personal hygiene to more natural-based solutions. I'm wearing essential oils as my cologne today. And then if you're not already doing it, just eat real food. Can I get a witness, anyone? Okay, yes, I still have insulin resistance. Yes, I weigh more than I'd like. Yes, my health markers are good. And yes, a ketogenic diet is still healthy. Chin up, kiddo. Keep smiling. 
because we need you to blog, vlog, podcast, share freely about keto using all the gifts and talents that God has given you. And as Stone Cold Steve Austin would say, who by the way is keto now, you heard about this? You represent keto in the real world, living with insulin resistance. People need this message now more than ever before. Can I get a keto? Yeah. Yeah. So here's uh, some upcoming books that are coming out. Weight Loss, White Lies, which some of what you've heard today will be in that book coming next year. LiveInLaVitaLowCarb.com is my website. And thank you very much. Have you been interested in trying the new cutting edge technology of exogenous ketones, but didn't know where to get started? Let me introduce you to Perfect Keto. Visit perfectketo.com slash Jimmy and use the coupon code LLVLC at checkout to get 15% off your order. Perfect Keto was created by a functional medicine clinician who developed this unique formula for maximum efficacy. It's great tasting and the most affordable exogenous ketone supplement you can find that raises blood ketone levels up to 1.5 millimolar to help increase mental focus, boost your energy, and commence fat burning. It does not contain any soy, dairy, gluten, artificial sweeteners, binding agents, or anything that doesn't directly improve your health. The synergistic power of a low-carb, moderate-protein, high-fat ketogenic diet with Perfect Keto Exogenous Ketones will have your body running optimally. Perfect Keto is available in delicious chocolate sea salt and peaches and cream flavors. Each serving comes with 11.38 grams of high-quality beta-hydroxybutyrate for maximum ketone boosting while adding in magnesium, potassium, cocoa, stevia, and vitamin C for extra micronutrition. Again, try Perfect Keto for yourself at Perfect perfectketo.com slash Jimmy and be sure to use the coupon code LLVLC at checkout to get 15% off your order. Perfect Keto. They're back and better than ever at JimmyLovesFBomb.com. They are the F-Bomb company. That is Smart Fuel. They have made some incredible products for the ketogenic community, and they make keto easier. They have products that include coconut oil, macadamia nut oil, house blend, MCT oil, olive oil, avocado oil, macadamia nut butter with sea salt, macadamia nut butter without salt, coconut butter, macadamia nut butter blend. They also have salted chocolate macadamia nut butter. These are all available to you now at jimmylovesfbomb.com. And if you head on over there now and you use the coupon code jimmylovesfbomb, they'll give you 10% off of your first order. jimmylovesfbomb.com. Would you like to test your blood ketones for just $1 per strip? Join the Keto Clarity Club at bestketonetest.com for the Keto Mojo blood ketone and blood glucose testing. And join the club to get $1 strips when purchased in vials of 50. You get to choose how often that they will ship to you and you'll still get that $1 price per strip. And while you're at bestketonetest.com, make sure you get the meter and we also have glucose strips sold in vials of 50 and you'll get $5 off with the coupon code Jimmy. There's also the Ketonian Special Kit which allows you to get the meter, Lancet, as well as a starter pack of blood ketone test strips. Again, it's bestketonetest.com for the Keto Mojo blood ketone and blood glucose testing. Bestketonetest.com we're going to talk about the wonderful world of your microbiome, autoimmunity. We're going to dig in deep, guys, with the time that we have. Okay, for those of you who do not know what I do, I know I am, first of all, I am older than I look, okay, guys? So don't judge me for my boyish good looks. My doctorate is from Southern California University of Health Sciences in Los Angeles, and my postdoctorate education and training is in functional medicine, clinical nutrition. I'm on uh, mindbodygreen.com. Does anyone know who mindbody? green is a 
but one of the largest, if not the largest, wellness websites in the world. I'm one of the course instructors and wellness experts where I get to teach around the world about functional medicine. And I have a clinic in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. About 80% of my patients are via webcam, Skype, FaceTime, that sort of stuff. We get patients care around the world. And I am the recent co-host with Jimmy Moore at Keto Talk. So for those of you who do not listen, you should listen. All right, guys, next slide. This is Mind Body Greens sort of team. That's myself, David Perlmutter, Terry Walls. There's a few functional medicine people on here. First of all, let's frame this and go over the main differences between functional medicine and mainstream medicine. I think that's a good place to start for those of you who aren't so familiar with functional medicine. Number one, we interpret labs using a thinner reference range. You know the labs you have from your PCP, your endocrinologist, we interpret those labs differently. We get those reference ranges that you get from your doctor from a statistical bell curve average of people who go to labs. Who are people that typically go to labs? Sick people. So there's a lot of people that go to their doctor that say, hey, I don't feel right, can you run these labs? And the doctor says they run the basic labs and the labs come back quote unquote normal, even though you know instinctively, heck, I don't feel normal. You're told you're just depressed, there's an antidepressant, you just need to lose some weight, exercise more, or you refer to another specialist with more labs. What they're unintentionally saying is you're a lot like the other sick people to make up the population of that lab because they're either not running the right labs or they're not interpreting the labs they are running properly or both. So in functional medicine, if you take people with health problems out of that reference range, what's left is a thinner range within that larger reference range of where your body's thriving. You are at optimal function. That's a much thinner range than the larger reference range. We run more comprehensive labs that are typically not ran in mainstream medicine. This is a big topic. We're going to cover more about the microbiome and autoimmune aspect of this, but I could talk about it all day. The reason why these are not ran in mainstream medicine is not because your doctor is nefarious and like wants to keep things from you. They're trained to diagnose the disease and match it with the medication. So if the end result doesn't change the medication, it's superfluous, it's extraneous, it's not needed. But from a functional medicine standpoint, we want to find out why you have the problem in the first place. We take into account biological variability, which just means we're all created differently. There's not a cookie cutter, one size fits all to getting well. I see great healthy things things work for some people, they don't work so well for the next person, and the next person, they kind of, it flares them up. So we have to not have a bias as to, you know, this is the way that everybody should do things, because you'll be proven wrong if you do that. So you have to look at their labs, you have to look at their health history, and then what actually works in their life and what doesn't work in their life. So as far as subjectively, their improvement of their life, but also improvement on their labs. So let's go beyond the label, the microbiome. Who's heard of the microbiome before? It's the trillions, trillions of bacteria. I'm a self-confessed gut nerd, guys, so bear with me. Humor me for a little bit. Your gut is home to trillions of bacteria. So upwards, and some studies show a little bit less, but upwards of 100 trillion bacteria. And you and me and all of us are about 10 trillion human cells. So you are, in fact, 10 times more bacteria than human. A sort of sophisticated host for the microbiome. So this is a paramount to total health. This is a study that showed that the microbiome, and there are 9 million different genes compared to our paltry 25,000. The microbiome in our immune system. It is 80% of our immune system. Hippocrates, the father of modern medicine, he said, all disease begins in the gut. I don't know how he knew it, but that's, how, that's why he's the father of modern medicine. That research is really catching up with antiquity. That about 90% of chronic health problems that we see today, at least to some degree, begin in the microbiome, if not entirely. And there are many studies show it's a factor in autoimmunity. Some researchers consider a precondition for autoimmunity dysfunction of the microbiome. You have what's called the gut-brain axis. When you're growing in your, when you were growing in your mom's womb, hopefully no one's still growing in their mother's womb here today. Maybe some little babies, but uh, your gut and brain are formed from the same fetal tissue, and then they're inextricably linked for the rest of your life through what's called the gut-brain axis. 95% of your brain's happy, feel-good 
neurotransmitter serotonin is made in your gut, stored in your gut. It's referred in, into the medical, in the medical literature as the second brain. I know I'm weird, but I think the intestines, if you think about it, kind of resemble, resemble the brain. Do you know what I'm talking about? I, I see it at least. The gut-brain connection here, microbiome is shown to impact myelin sheath formation, its implication to neurological autoimmunity like MS. There's a whole field of research referred to as the cytokine model of cognitive function. Basically, how inflammation impacts how our brains work. So depression, anxiety, brain fog, ADHD, ADD, autism. These are all linked in the research to the gut-brain axis and this sort of pro-inflammatory cytokine activity of the nervous system. So we are all complex. We go to our doctor and we say, hey, what's, I, I know something's not right here. You're given a medication. It's like, see you in six months. We need to dig deeper. Ultimately, none of us are sick from a medication deficiency. Would you agree with me? So let's find out the root cause of why we're going through what we're going through. So we're going to go on a journey, guys. We're going to go through the four gut problems that will wreck our health. Are you excited for this countdown? Are you excited for this countdown? All right. All right, guys, I'll wake you up. All right, number one, SIBO. You've heard of SIBO before. You're well-read people here. Uh, it is an acronym, a funny-sounding acronym. I think the English call it SIBO. We're set, we say it right here in the States. But uh, SIBO, it's small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. It's bacteria that's supposed to grow in our gut, but it's growing in the wrong location. It's too much. And anything in the body, as far as bacteria, yeast, hormones, inflammation, it's all subject to the Goldilocks principle. It's not necessarily good or bad. It's just balance. And balance is important. So SIBO is a lack of balance in the microbiome. You have what's called the MMC. This is not the Mickey Mouse Club, guys. This is the, uh, the other MMC, migrating motor complex. It's sort of this wave-like motion of your gut to keep things, bacteria, into the large intestine and not proliferate and growing into migrating into the small intestine. And you have a lack of that. What causes the decrease of MMC? A few things. NSAID use, head traumas can cause a decrease of MMC. So, what are com some common SIBO gut symptoms? It's highly associated to constipation, diarrhea, IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, cramping, gas, nausea, acid reflux, heartburn, GERD. These are things that we see in the clinic a lot. Then there's far-reaching implications of SIBO. You don't necessarily have to have gut symptoms, or I would say severe gut symptoms, to have gut problems. There are many people that are pretty much asymptomatic in their gut. They're going to the bathroom pretty much okay. They wouldn't really think about it as being abnormal, but yet they're having latent underlying gut problems that will only be found out through labs. So SIBO is associated with type 2 diabetes, type 1 diabetes, many autoimmune problems like Hashimoto's, and then you have what's called the gut-brain-skin axis, so acne, rosacea, these things are, are associated with SIBO as well. Number two, microbiome imbalances. So again, subject to the Goldilocks principle here, we want balance and we have to look at yeast function, at levels of yeast in the gut, ba uh, bacterial issues, and parasitic issues. These are pathogenic things that we don't want growing in high amounts. Number three, we are looking at, again, balance of the microbiome. This is one lab that we run, we're looking at bacterial overgrowth here, parasite issues. This is not a third world developing country thing. This is something that we see a lot in people in the States. And guess what? This patient here didn't have any gut symptoms. She was going to the bathroom pretty much all right, but she had runaway anxiety. So we dealt with the second brain and her first brain was fine over the course of a year. She's doing great. She doesn't have anxiety attacks anymore. She's not having mood swings. She's not depressed anymore. No more brain fog because we dealt with the second brain. So this is the far-reaching implications of the microbiome. Number three, food reactivities. Our world has changed very dramatically in a very short period of time. So people are re reacting because of these gut lining permeability issues to healthy foods. And we have to kind of look, if you cleaned up your diet, if you eat a ketogenic diet and you're still having food sensitivities, you still aren't where you want to be health-wise, what else has to be looked at? Well, because of these gut problems, your body can react to the seemingly most innocuous, nutrient-dense food. So we have to kind of take our biases and throw them out the window. So we, 
everybody's in agreement here. You heard of, the, of gluten, right? It's the G word in functional medicine and in the ketogenic world the, um, for many different reasons, not just the carb standpoint, but this protein gluten can cause a whole wreck of problems. So wheat has been hybridized, everybody knows that here. So basically, if someone's on the fence with this whole ketogenic thing, maybe you're kind of dabbling into it this weekend, and you're like, well, I don't know if gluten's a problem for me. I wanna like, keep it in as like my, I love it so much, I just love eating bread. Um, and you go to your doctor to find out, hey, is this actually right for me? And then the lab, they typically will run an alpha-gliadin test. Maybe they'll test you for celiac disease. And then that's about it. And then typically those labs come back negative, And you go and celebrate and say, hey, I'm not gluten sensitive. So you go get breadsticks at Olive Garden or something. Uh, it is an incomplete view of gluten sensitivity. So we have to kind of look beyond that. This is Cyrex lab, one of the leading labs in their field, Arishta Vijdani's, one of the leading immunologists in this field, the Institute for Functional Medicine at the Cleveland Clinic. That's who's trained myself and my team. And these are the labs we go to. These are not quack labs. These are reputable labs that we want to kind of dig deep and find out what's going on here. So there's about a 25-piece gluten puzzle, and you can be negative to the alpha-gliadin, but be positive to other ones. Interestingly enough, transglutamidase 3 and 6, research shows that antibodies against this uh, can elicit neurological symptoms like anxiety, depression, brain fog, and skin problems as well. And celiac disease, there's an overwhelming majority of people that, can, that go under, undiagnosed that have these neurological symptoms and are told, take this Xanax or take this medication, but it's really, it's neurological autoimmunity. This is cross-reactivity. If, if Gluten sensitivity wasn't enough. These are for people who clean up their diet. These are even for people that eat a ketogenic, a well-formulated ketogenic diet. These are foods that are innocuous, to say the least, right? And, but your body, because of gut lining problems, are reacting to these healthy-ish foods. What works for one person may not work for you. So dairy's on this list, chocolate's on this list. Who likes chocolate in here? So no judgment zone, guys. I will not tell anybody. All right, and then all these gluten-free grains, like, all of them. <laughs> Egg is on here, corn is on here, potatoes on here, rice is on here. So what does this mean if this lab comes back positive? Does it mean you're sensitive to eggs? No, it means you have a gluten sensitivity to eggs. It means your body thinks when you eat eggs you're still having gluten. It's as if you had not gone gluten-free at all. So we have to look at the intricacies of the, mi of the microbiome and intricacies of food sensitivity to really understand what's best for you. Number four, leaky gut syndrome. You guys have heard of leaky gut syndrome, right? It's like an unfortunate name, like leaky gut syndrome? That's so gross. It's too early to talk about that. Um, the reality is things are passing through the intestinal lining that shouldn't be passing through the intestinal lining. So you have these tight junctions that are supposed to keep the gut nice and safe, but things are passing through, causing systemic inflammation. So what does the research show leaks through in this case? Lipopolysaccharides, or LPS, which are bacterial toxins that are in the gut to a certain degree in, the, in certain numbers, depending on the person, but passing through the body's creating antibodies in the blood to LPS. This is linked to many different things like cognitive problems, autoimmunity, inflammation at large, uh, as well as back to, uh, as far as undigested food proteins as well, the foods we just talked about, can pass through the gut lining, causing systemic inflammation. Leaky gut syndrome is linked to just about everything out there, uh, from arthritis to asthma, autism, autoimmune diseases. I mean, you can go on and on. Basically, any chronic inflammatory thing is at least associated in the research to leaky gut syndrome. Does that mean that everybody with these issues have leaky gut syndrome? Not necessarily, but it's such a, a common thing to at least rule out. And if you don't look there, you don't know if it's a factor for you or not. So I'm not giving all this information to put fear into you for the sake of it. But you have to know what you're up against to do something about it. This is really about health, responsibility, and due diligence for yourself. So this is a lab, a blood lab that we run to look at antibodies against lipopolysaccharides and the proteins that govern gut lining permeability. So occludin and zonulin, think of occludin like a protein that occludes and zonulins like a zipper. So you have antibodies against these guys, you have increased permeability, evidence of that, and you also with LPS elevation, you have evidence that there's a breach of the gut lining, uh, gut lining uh, integrity causing inflammation throughout the body. The autoimmune inflammation spectrum. There's over 100 different autoimmune diseases that we know today. 
and there's a 40 in addition to that that at least have an autoimmune component. The criteria for, for diagnosis for auto, autoimmunity are pretty end-stage problems, like the, by the time they get that bad, there's a lot of damage that has been done. So for example, there has to be 90% destruction of your adrenal glands before you fit the criteria of being labeled with Addison's disease. There has to be about 80% destruction of the villi of your gut before it shows up on a biopsy and it's bad enough where they'll say, oh, it's celiac disease. There has to be 70% destruction of your myelin sheath before it shows up in an imaging study and they'll say you have MS. Those things did not happen overnight. There are millions about 50 million Americans have stage three autoimmune disease, but there are millions more that are on this autoimmune inflammation spectrum. So there's three stages. There's silent autoimmunity, meaning if you ran labs, you'd probably see a positive ANA, see inklings of genetic problems, but no symptoms. And then stage two is autoimmune reactivity, where you're having problems, you don't feel well, but you have no answers for why you're going through what you're going through, because you've not destroyed enough tissue to fit the official diagnosis of autoimmunity. What sense does it make to wait till your body's destroyed enough of itself to then do something about it? To then only be put on steroids or an immunosuppressant? There are millions more people in this stage two autoimmune reactivity that we see on an hourly basis, sadly, in our clinic. And these are the people that are sent from doctor to doctor. These are the people that have unexplained symptoms. These are the people that maybe have a positive ANA and they're told things like, well, it looks like you'll get lupus in a few years. We'll come back to us then. That reactive sort of approach to healthcare is abysmally failing millions of people. We have to be proactive. What can you do today to take responsibility for your health? What can you do today to stave off the inflammation that is pervasive throughout your body? This is something that we need to be acting as sooner rather than later. This is a, a study that looked at the uh, component of dysbiosis or imbalance of the microbiome and its relationship to MS. Again, I could talk all day about just that study, but this is another study that looked at 20 MS patients, 40 controls, and found that people with autoimmunity had a loss of T-regulatory cells, basically balancers of the immune system. So which one is going inside of you? And that's oversimplistic. The body's interconnected, so it could be a collection of number of those or none of those. So we have to dig deep and see what's relevant to the individual. This is poop, guys. We're just getting get real right here. You know who gave me this slide? Dr. Terry Walls gave me this slide. She said I could use it. And this is not her poop, though. She wanted me to tell you that. So, <laughs> so you know the Bristol chart. This is like some action steps for you guys to know today. So where's your poop at? This is the first lab you should do in your life and see, okay, where are you adding up? So this is the Bristol stool chart. For those of you taking pictures, you can obviously Google this as well um, to get a better version of it. Um, but this is looking at the, all the different types and we want uh, type three and type four as far as a sign of a healthy microbiome. You can feel more or less fine off of that on the extremes of those charts, but this is a clue to say, should I look deeper into my microbiome? Should I see what's going on there? So resistant starch, some exciting studies showing the effects on the microbiota, the microbiome, the balance of the microbiome, and controlling cancer, diabetes, and obesity. So you think, why am I talking about resistant starch at KetoCon? And I know this is probably slightly controversial, but the, what I see clinically and actually works in someone's life, it can be a tool for some people. Is it right for everybody? No. Is it good for some people? Absolutely. And we're talking about small doses here, like a fourth of a teaspoon, maybe one tablespoon spoon. Uh, so these are some good sources of resistant starches that can be uh, great at feeding the good bacteria, which produce short chain fatty acids, and they make a good healthy microbiome. So your body is interconnected here. You have what's called the gut-brain axis, we talked about that, but then you have the brain hormonal axis. You can start seeing the downstream impact that your gut can have, not only in the gut and brain and the immune system where 80% of it resides, but the downstream implications it has on your hormones. You have what's called the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis, the hypothalamic pituitary thyroid, and gonadal axis. So a, a upstream or core gut problem can impact the downstream hormonal problem. So these are the things that we need to sort of look at the pathways here and how it's not only impacting the gut-brain axis, but your hormones as well. What would you think of me if I, my check engine light came on my car and I just uh, covered it up with a sticker and kept on driving? 
What would you think of me? Normally I have somebody like point to their spouse and say they do that. I was in denial of impending doom. Just because I keep driving doesn't mean it's gone. Your body is giving you a check engine light. The fatigue, the brain fog, the digestive issues, the unexplained inflammation despite doing healthy things, a check engine light. So what do we do? We go to the check engine light cover upper station and say, take this sticker STIA in six months. Nobody is sick from a check engine like cover upper deficiency. And our body is more intelligent than a car. So you go for another 10,000 miles and the check engine light brighter gets, gets brighter. You need more check engine light cover uppers. So you get more and more stickers. What's underneath the hood? These things that we looked at in the microbiome, because you take your car to the mechanic, he doesn't just cover up the check engine light and say see you in six months. If he does, if your mechanic does that, get a new mechanic. We want to look at what's underneath the hood. And these are the factors of what's causing these symptoms that are oftentimes unexplained and settled for. So we look at comprehensive diagnostics, customized food medicine plan based on the individual, natural medicine, lifestyle coaching. These are some of the things that we take into consideration. So ketogenic and gut health, we know that having a healthy microbiome is essential for health. And ketosis, we know it works metabolically, but it works independently of, met of metabolism on inflammatory cascades. So this is a tool that I use in just about every patient, depending on their goals, to drive inflammation levels down and help for a healthy gut. And then focusing on non-starchy green vegetables, uh, good uh, plant foods would help with feeding the good bacteria, and it's another source for resistant starch our green leafy vegetables. So ketones also give the cells ability to resist damage from autoimmune inflammation. This was a study that looked at MS, Alzheimer's, other autoimmune inflammation issues, and saw that there was improved cognitive uh, function, improved memory, and brain sharpness, and diminished inflammation. So healing your gut and reducing inflammation reduces your need uh, risk of developing autoimmune conditions. These are other advanced tools that we use, not for everybody, for some end-stage people that have tried everything. If you heard of poop transplant, guys, fecal transplants, these are things that people that have tried everything but are still struggling with health problems that aren't getting better. We have to dig deeper and we look at the studies here uh, that find that fecal transplants showed favorable outcomes with people with autoimmune conditions, chronic fatigue syndrome. And then there's Hellman therapy. Hellman therapy are hookworms, roundworms, parasites that again, people have tried everything. They take capsules with these hookworms in it to improve inflammation levels because these guys are pretty savvy at turning off inflammatory cascades in the body to protect themselves. But in turn, it can be a tool for some people to dampen inflammation in their body. Is this for everybody? Heck no. But is it for people that with autoimmunity have tried everything and can't be on any more medications because it's not helping them? Yes, it can be. So we see patients around the world via webcam and locally in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So we offer tons of great stuff, free stuff online. We have a free health evaluation via Skype and phone at drwillcole.com. You've been listening to Keto Talk with Jimmy Moore and Dr. Will Cole. Visit our website, ketotalk.com, for full show notes for this episode. If you love Keto Talk, then drop us a review at iTunes. Thanks for joining us for today's episode, and we'll see you again next Thursday. Disc.